It just says mystery box and the photo is a picture of a question mark that looks like it was drawn poorly in Microsoft Paint. I have to buy this. Earbuds and earworms, I'm Amy. Not that into dressing, Shepard. And this is... Mitchell, put all your songs in one basket, Manly. What about one cornucopia? Yeah, put all your songs in one cornucopia, Manly. When was the last time you saw, like, an official cornucopia? I don't think I've ever seen a real-life cornucopia. Who used them? I, I guess the, the Native Americans used them, or did the pilgrims use them? I don't know. The pilgrims seem... They, they probably thought that, like, weaving was... um evil was was a <laughs> cornucopia used as just a centerpiece or was it actually meant to serve some sort of purpose for ingesting food like did you cram all the food into the cornucopia maybe like a funnel yeah and then and just, just like, like funnel it into your gullet that way that was definitely not the pilgrims yeah i don't think so that was definitely not the pilgrims but now i'm just i really should have researched that <laughs> <laughs> but this week um you know it takes a lot of effort to uh eat and well, I guess that's how we ended up with a grab bag. Yeah, we're just like it's uh, it's it's the holidays, and we'd all be busy traveling and and getting ourselves prepared and doing stuff. So I figured a grab bag, so you don't have to think too hard. Just whatever's on your mind during the Thanksgiving season, whether it's related or not related to Thanksgiving, but just whatever's going through your mind and getting you through the holiday. Okay, and so that way, like you can just like whatever's in on the record player right now yeah exactly okay nice easy one huh. i like doing the grab bags because you know it keeps everybody kind of uh current with whatever we're all listening to and even if it's you know an older band or whatever it's like what's on your mind lately okay it's like a it's it's thanksgiving for us it's where we sit down with our ear buddy family and communicate <laughs> about what's going on in our lives currently <laughs> all righty so what did you bring this week so i brought oliver tree do you feel me I discovered Oliver Tree earlier this year, and I've been super hooked on him ever since. Uh, this song kind of has like a Beck kind of a feel to it. It's really dancey and high energy, but also has some grit and some soul to it. 
Uh, he's just a really interesting character in every sense of the word. Uh, he does indeed perform as this sort of exaggerated persona of himself. Uh, he has like a very 90s bowl cut and dresses in really tacky 90s windbreakers and huge Jinko jeans and he like rides around on a Razor scooter. So he just looks ridiculous and, and his character in interviews and videos is like this very entitled self-aggrandizing millennial kid who just thinks he's like the greatest and most original thing on earth. But the thing is behind this like really arrogant character that he puts on, he actually is just incredibly talented at a, a lot of shit and he's like found a way to kind of combine all the things that he's good at into a neat little package. Uh, he's genuinely a very funny and clever guy so he uses those comedic chops constantly and like promoting his music and his character. Uh, he used to actually compete and ride scooters professionally and uh, his like tons of scooter stunts on YouTube and that sort of thing uh, often tells a story of breaking both his arms in a scooter accident uh, which he tells that story in character a lot but it's actually a, a real and verifiable story that happened to him. Uh, he also produces all of his own music videos, which are all really unique and beautifully shot. So he's not only like a really unique producer and musician, but also a highly skilled video producer and businessman. It's all really impressive when you know the full story about him. So I didn't know about the Jinko jeans. Yeah. I had to explain what uh, to my coworkers what Jinkos were, sure. which makes me feel like old. And I wouldn't think I would be like the old old in the room but i'm the old in the room because yeah. like i used to wear jinkos in high school do you remember that awkward time I, i'm trying to remember if i ever saw you in jinkos i don't think you must it must have it been like freshman, freshman year. year yeah yeah so i really like the big sound of this yeah there's like handcuffs in it which is like really dancey and mm -hmm. of course like the repetition and there's this driving beat and it just it makes me smile but it's also kind of sad because you know Lyrically, it's like he's existing, but he's not existing, and he's enjoying the moment of existing and not existing, but it's like, maybe there's a love interest. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. But uh, it's just like a really good um, beat with like possibly philosophy involved. Yeah, there's some, some philosophical ideas happening and... You know, like you said, it's it could be uh, the idea of like a lover or someone not noticing him. But I also think it might just be a literal tale of like, oh, I, I'm a ghost and I didn't realize it until this moment. And I realized, oh, shit, I'm a ghost and nobody can see or hear me. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Should have thought about that. But could have been either way. Yeah, yeah it could have. Um, this week I brought tapes and tapes in Houston. sad songs about the circus <laughs> so i don't know um circuses are like this super 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 grimy place and you know bears elephants and you know animal cruelty 
mm-hmm. guess, is like a theme that's normally going on with that. And I am going to admit, like, I bought this album for essentially, I really like the trees on the front because they're neon. And I uh, really like cursive, so I ended up liking it. And the mm-hmm. title is called the Lo- or I think it's called Loons or the Loons. I'm not sure. I can't remember what the title of the record is. But I was playing it over the Christmas, not Christmas, Thanksgiving break, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I just, um, you know, I I guess I'd been contemplating it, and I was like, hey, this week, why don't I just pull the songs that I was listening to while I was, you know. Cutting up apples. Right. That was my only contribution for Thanksgiving was the apple pie. Because I'm kind of like like that. Um, I don't necessarily know if this treads any new ground like sound-wise. I just like the whole album. It's got this like rhythm and it's very insistent but lulling. And yeah, I just didn't ever listen to the lyrics before today. And it doesn't sound like the circus. Like if Cursive did this, it would sound like the circus was going on. Right. But um. That's not what happened. So I just, I really liked it. And I don't know if it's new or special or respected. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely a very weird and unique band. They do have that kind of cursive thing happening, like you said. They also have kind of a more classic alternative sound, like pavement or something like that, kind of mixed in there too. And it's filtered through a lot more noise and experimentation uh, than you'll get from either of those other two bands. Uh, I especially love the vibraphone in this song. It's one of my favorite instruments. And I always love when a band incorporates them well. Uh, I think it was like Margot and the Nuclear So-and-Sos or somebody that had them, and we commented on it a couple weeks ago. A band called Tortoise uses them a lot, too. Uh, they usually make things really chill and jazzy sounding, but combined with the more anxious sounds going on beneath them, it kind of makes them a bit darker and more haunting here, which I think is really neat. So, uh, yeah, I haven't listened to this record in like 10 years, so now i got to give it a few spins as well. Well, my question is, is it like a popular record of theirs? Um, yeah, this was their very first album, if I recall. It came out like 2005. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's good stuff. And they were, you know, they were hot on the indie circuit, but they never were like huge or anything. Okay. Like, I feel like I kind of missed that they were popular just for the fact that I purchased them because... No one else had. No, it's like I I, I visited Memphis and I went to Shangri-La and I was like, oh, this looks like a cool album. And I'm willing to drop the ridiculous prices for new vinyl. So Mm -hmm. I I was willing and that's what I decided I was going to do. I think it's probably a worthwhile purchase. Uh, This album's pretty good. Yeah, I lucked into it. Uh, Another one that I purchased was from a band called Big Black yeah uh, songs about fucking yeah i know all about that one too <laughs> oh really i love the cover of it that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steve albini uh, that's another wormhole we'll go down some other day <laughs> okay i hey look bands make really cool covers that's I'm, true I'm really it does cool. have an interesting cover yeah so i'm i appreciate that uh the ear buddies brought a ton of selections and debbie brought purling hisses learning slowly Hey 
so she says, Learning Slowly by Purling Hiss is the bangingest banger currently in my heavy rotation. Nice layer of fuzzing scuzz over bright melodic guitar and lyrics about slowly learning. I can relate. First of all, the band's name is Purling Hiss. Mm-hmm. And per- uh, purling is like, it's a... It's a stitch in knitting. It's right. actually the opposite of knitting. So I like the idea of somebody like purling but hissing. I don't know. That's just me. It's very specific. Um, this intro has a very classic build. Indeed, extremely fuzzy. I wouldn't call it scuzz, but mostly because I don't know what scuzz is. <laughs> um, it's got this great jaunt to it, and it's just like a solid choice of a song. It's about like human existence or I just woke up, but yeah, we just learning slowly, treading lightly, moving right along, and I don't know. If you're going to have a guitar solo, this is the kind of guitar solo I like because it's not like too noodly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it is. No, I, think, I think scuzz is probably a good adjective for this because what I think of for scuzz Think of it like this, like think you clean the tile in your kitchen, right? But there's still a bunch of dirt in the grout, but the well, tiles are clean. You're expecting a lot from me. Right, yeah. So um, <laughs> that's why I said, let's use our imagination. Okay. I know this is an alternate reality of some sort, but yeah, let's I'm imagine like, you're cleaning the tile in your kitchen. And I care about the grout. Right, and, <laughs> and the grout's still a little gross, but the tile's clean. Mm-hmm. So you got your, the, t- the clean tiles, your your sunshiny, bright guitars, but the scuzz is like the, the, the noise and the dirt that's happening on top of that. I think it's probably like an Ikea with a thin layer of dust on it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, so this song's definitely a banger. I'll definitely be uh, digging deeper into the Purling Hiss catalog after this. Uh, Debbie was right. I love the sounds here. The bass is really punchy and driving. The guitars tread this perfect middle ground between being like fuzzy and hazy, but also with some jangliness that gives it some pop sensibilities and shines a little bit of sunshine into the discomfort and discontent of the lyrics. Uh, I'm working on catching up on all my Husker do and like guided by voices, but this definitely seems to take all my favorite stuff about both of those bands and kind of distill it into this noisy power pop perfection. I just like when you say Husker do. Husker do. Are they from I, Minneapolis, right? Man, your guess is as good as mine on I that one. I think so. I know a lot of Minneapolis people like to talk about Prince and Husker do. Yeah, that would probably make sense. Yeah. And maybe cheese. I don't know. Did yeah, I definitely like cheese. cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should know better. I really should. Um, John S. brings uh, the pom-pom squad's cherry blossom. I know you don't deserve a word of it, but you know I'm always bleeding someone dry. It's hard to forget waking up to your face on Tuesday mornings when I got to sleep. John says, I'm pretty happy right now, but something about the deadpan tone of voice and the caustic lyric sticks with me. Why do I know more great breakup songs than true love ones? I don't know. Maybe I need uh, to take a look at that. (laughs) 
Um, it's deadpan, it's deadpan lady singing, so it's just pretty awesome. I think that there's this expectation that women have to have, like, high-flying vocals with, like, tons of, like, effort going in, but mm-hmm. then, like, Leonard can, Leonard Cohen can just, Leonard Cohen it up. Right. Know? And Tom Waits can, Tom Waits it up. But, um, just breakup songs in general are pretty awesome because they get the, like, rawest of emotions, and it's, like, the most bitter of emotions, and who can't relate to strong negative emotions? Um, you know, things stick with you longer whenever it's something that's negative, so... Mm-hmm. Delivery is so flatly sad, but lyrically cutting. And then the way she just kind of tags on that, like, last little phrase, you know, or word on her phrases. It's really, 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 really clever. And I really, 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 really like it. You always notice little uh, intricacies about the phrasing and kind of flow of lyrics and syllables and stuff like that. I really appreciate uh, when that's done well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, John is taking a leave from Facebook, but still corresponds with me about the show uh, and the theme each week. And for the grab bag this week, he sent me three def- you know, amazing tracks. Uh, and the other two were a bit more upbeat, but whenever I heard this song, definitely hit me the hardest, so I had to include it. Uh, we've discussed my love of like the feminine vocals, and I'm all about those emotional and really vulnerable lyrics. So this song is just a direct shot up my alley. Uh, the the guitars have that like really round, straightforward kind of tone, sort of reminiscent of like Modest Mouse or American Football, uh, where the guitars probably aren't going through a bunch of effects; they're just plugged straight into a solid amp. So uh, you're just like getting this very pure and unadulterated sound from the guitars, which I think kind of adds to the purity and realness of the song. Yeah, and it's not, like, cluttered up. I guess yeah. that's what you're saying. It's, like, straightforward. Yeah, exactly. So you're not, like, cluttering it up with, like, a lot of um, excess. And right, yeah. It's just a really good guitar amp that's amplifying probably, I would guess, a Fender Stratocaster is what that kind of sounds like. Yeah, it's it's just sad. Do you want yeah, to it's, <laughs> it's very sad. Yeah. So um, Susan brought Mondo Kane's Il... Close. Kane. Mondo Kane. Kane's Il Cielo in una stanza. just says just anything Mike Patton touches. Um, is this Mike Patton singing? Yep, that's Mike Patton singing. Okay. I had no idea. I also have no idea what is being said here. It's just like so classic and big and I, I feel like I should be swooning like a teenage girl in a poodle skirt. Um, the range of emotions just like expressed here is just uh, it's like astounding like whatever is being said it's extremely sad i think i think the dude's like kind of heartbroken and 
I don't know. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm pretty sure it's a sad song. That's that's like pretty much all I got. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if this one's a sad song or like a dreamy, on, deep in love did song. You, did you hear his voice cracking? Yeah, like, it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Patton's just he's been brought up a bunch on the show, and his like eclecticism and genre bending, I think, is pretty representative of the spirit of what we try to do here. So I think maybe we should uh, designate Mike Patton as, as one of our patron saints of, <laughs> oh. of earbuds and earworms, along with they might be giants. Yeah, I mean we can talk about that too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mike Patton, best known for being in Faith No More and Mr. Bungle, who are both very experimental bands who exhibited an incredible range and, you know, and he uh, he had a, an incredible range and versatility of his voice in those bands. But Mondo Kane is like especially brilliant showcase for him because it's all his own arrangements of like 50s and 60s Italian pop songs. So to an American audience, it's accessible and poppy, unlike his other bands. But it's also really unique because who else is drawing influence from Italian pop music? It's also just a brilliant display of his talent, both in like his facility with the Italian language, uh, and of course the the more operatic songs just really show off his vocal range and ability, all that vibrato and like very careful dynamic control in his voice. Uh, it should be obvious to anyone listening to his other bands that Mike Patton's just untouchable in the world of rock vocals. Uh, but Mono, Mondo Kane kind of finally gave him that chance to prove that he has the legitimate talent and discipline to perform vocals of pretty much any style. So was Mondo Kane. Mondo Kane. Is that like the the band name? Yes, that's the band name, and I believe it comes from an Italian, like a really weird art film that was made in the seventies. Um, it had like a lot of grotesque imagery, and like it was supposed to be just really strange. I remember it got compared to some of the Faces of Death videos. Ew. I don't think, I don't think in this it was any real deaths. Okay. But I think in, in the original, it was just supposed to be like a shock fest, essentially. Ew. And I don't so, know. I just watched Eraserhead for the first time. That's a pretty weird movie, too, yeah. David Lynch. And then I went to, um, was it, The Black Lodge and asked for other heartwarming family <laughs> films like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like those single dad family films. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> you got to watch that. It's so good. And I thought the baby was cute. Single dad <laughs> family film. <laughs> Come on. that's Eraserhead. <laughs> Eraserhead. It's a heartwarming tale. Yeah. <laughs> so, PJ brought the skull, the skull's Ravenswood. We still have love. Watch the river flow. Five things to love. Take a mile, says the last actual cd i bought was when the skull came to memphis with corrosion of conformity and mothership back in october their latest release the endless road turns dark has a track on it called ravenswood give that song a listen it's a classic trouble hook in it that'll give you goosebumps 
Eric Wagner is the reigning Doom vocalist. First of all, for Doom vocalist, I would have thought like sure more you know the cookie monster yeah so um either way absolutely terrified i don't know why i'm pretty sure i'm being stalked possibly by a (laughs) raven yeah it's not a girl scout with cookies which i'm perfectly fine if girl scouts with cookies kidnap me it's fine it's all right um this is doom metal because i write comments and Mm -hmm. everybody keeps talking about it being doom metal it sounds very ominous and i they're like it's very guitar-y, but like in that accessible way yeah. where I don't think you have to know how to play guitar to like it. Sure. And there's lots of times when like the guitar solos are for other guitarists. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I don't know. It, this is an epic tale. It's about something. It's epic. It's very epic. That's like. It is very epic. Yeah. Is it a raven or a Ravenswood? That's a good question. I think it's a raven that lives in a place called Ravenswood. Oh, I get. I mean, was it named for him? Is it his street? Is it like his last name? And then it's like he named his street after him. I think we'll have to ask Eric Wagner about that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I surprisingly hadn't listened to the Skull before now. Uh, they were just kind of one of those bands whose name I'd seen a bunch, but never really took the time to listen to. I definitely love it, though. Uh, like you said, they're listed as a doom metal band, but on this song in particular, they're drawing on a lot of prog rock influence and even like some stonery parts as well. Uh, because of the Doom metal bands that I grew up on, I typically think of, of Doom as, as quite a bit slower and sludgier than this. Probably the sort of thing that you were expecting. Is this pop sludge? Could be, maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Skull definitely aligns more with like classic old school Doom metal like Candlemass and Cathedral, who were kind of the forefathers of what eventually turned into the heavier Doom that I'm more acquainted with. Uh, PJ mentioned that this band was formed from the ashes of a Doom band called Trouble, uh, who was active in like the late 70s, early 80s, when that early Doom sound was kind of being crafted. So uh, it seems like this incarnation still holds true to those classic roots, which I love, but they also have like a very contemporary approach to presenting that classic sound, which I think, you know, makes them especially rad because they're not afraid to evolve a little and, and, and take some of the progress that's been made in the last 30 years of heavy music and reincorporate it into that classic version that they kind of helped create in the first place. I wouldn't have thought it was like in the 70s. Yeah, like the late 70s, like 79, 78, 79 is when that stuff's kind of started coming to fruition. And yeah, it didn't have the super heavy vocals. And then later, as doom metal progressed through the early 90s, that's when it started getting a little bit slower and and a bit more evil sounding. And uh, even, even then, not a whole lot of Cookie Monster vocals, but just like very... Uh, distraught, longing, wailing, and caterwauling more than anything. So it could be just called sad metal? Yeah, just really depressive metal, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. There's there's already there's suicidal depressive bla- or depressive suicidal black metal. Uh-huh. And so that's already a thing, but that's black metal. It's not doom metal. So it's a slightly different. So Judas Priest. Judas Priest, I... I guess I consider them quote unquote heavy metal. Okay. But are they? Yeah, they're they're a heavy metal band, but now in the context of what is now considered heavy, they're not all that heavy, but back then it was about as heavy as you could find. But the Skulls relatively new. They are, but yeah, they're their previous band Trouble pretty old. How old are these people? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to say they're pretty old. They were probably in their 20s or 30s in the late 70s, so they're in their 50s and 60s and making doom metal? I'm, I'm guessing your math is right on that. I and, don't know. I'm but bad. yeah, I mean, that that seems about right. 
this seems like a young man's game. But yeah, but they're still, like I said, they're keeping yeah. it new, which I think is cool. Yeah, it's impressive because it doesn't sound like a dad is making this. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, Jacqueline brings Wilco's How to Fight Loneliness. Drag your blanket blindly. Fill your heart with smoke And the first thing that you want Will be the last thing you ever need That's how you fight it She says, first holiday season without both parents. We already had our gathering and don't really have any close friends to do Friendsgiving with. Wilco is helping us out, though. So I think this brings up, like, an important po- important point that the holidays can suck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, this one, like, I guess I've, I've never given Wilco a really good listen. And mm-hmm. I know that everybody loves Wilco. And there's like this cool like shifting sound to whatever they're doing here like in the little instrumental part that i really like it and i don't know i should dig into them more sad ass songs are just fabulous though and i can really get behind this one even though if i don't know anything of their other catalog um you know fighting through those feelings especially in public by just smiling all the time is very relatable holidays as said, super tough. And, like, loss and loneliness knows no season, so they can just, like, everybody's supposed to be happy around this time. Like, for, like, this two-month stretch, you're supposed to be happy, and that means, like, you kind of have to, like, pull yourself together. And it re- this song really efficiently expresses, like, that experience. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I definitely want to make sure that we included a couple downer songs this week because uh, the holidays are especially tough for a lot of folks, and I want to reflect that side of things in our selections uh, since we are kind of recording this right around Thanksgiving. Uh, I definitely feel a lot of that loneliness and alienation and anxiety around the holidays myself, so I'm glad that Jacqueline brought this one. Um, I never really got into Wilco either. Uh, this song may be the gateway to you know for me because I especially love the lyrics here, all about you know beating that loneliness by kind of faking happiness and. There's a tone of bitterness to it because, you know, no single platitude can be the cure to all your problems. But ultimately, that fake it till you make it cliche is actually a pretty reliable tool, psychologically speaking. Uh, When you fake a smile, but you receive like genuine smiles in return, it does something for you. And, you know, if you make that impulsive, sarcastic joke about how bad life sucks and it actually lands, you see other people actually relate to the hurt behind your joke. And it kind of makes it easier to talk about those things and kind of open up about how you feel and, and what you may be going through. And so I think this song kind of perfectly captures that middle ground where you have to exist, knowing that you can't hide from your feelings by masking them, but also understanding that, you know, you can make an active effort to sort of acknowledge what you feel and redirect and channel that energy more productively 
uh, with this sort of idea of like a more performative positivity. Oh yeah, like definitely. Now is it because like you're far from home? I mean, Memphis isn't that far from home. But yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, I, I go home and I visit my family and stuff like that. But I don't know. There's just still this sort of alienation and and loneliness to the whole thing. And like, obviously, I, I love my family and my family loves me. But there's still this sort of alienation between uh, my my the values that my family holds and the values that I have and sometimes they match up and sometimes they don't and yeah. you have to reconcile those things and it makes you feel uh sort of not a part of the of the whole whenever you are still a part of the whole and you're just a different part of the whole does that make sense as the heavily tattooed person in my family <laughs> <laughs> right yeah thank you yes, i feel that it's like whenever you show up for thanksgiving dinner and you're like uh, sorry guys i don't think i want to talk about politics right now right <laughs> but even though probably should i don't know who knows? I tried to work on all my holidays this yeah, year. Yeah, that's probably a good plan. Yeah, I didn't, though. That's the thing is, like, I pretty much begged to work on Thanksgiving, and I did not work on Thanksgiving. Wow. Everybody <laughs> else wanted to avoid their family more than you, so. I know. I was just like, I really want to work on Thanksgiving, y'all. And they're like, no. And then it, uh, well, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Look, we made the food. We just, like, plans did not work out appropriately so that everything happened how it was supposed to. So I was like, okay, whatever. Thanksgiving. Did you eat turkey at least? Uh, I did not eat any turkey, but I did oh, eat duh. lots of. Yeah, <laughs> I ate lots of dressing and and mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese and cheesecake and banana pudding. My mom made me a bunch of banana pudding. It's one of my oh. favorites. So with the like the soggy stuff at the bottom. It's the good stuff. No, I disagree. But that's how I feel about it. It's okay. I didn't make banana pudding. <laughs> Sorry. Um, our final ear buddy is David H, who brings battles featuring Shabazz Palace's IZM. Young hustle, don't sell your shape, young hustle. sing a sweet lullaby, fast life, flow fly, stay high. Chance take, pledge cake, bitch take, flex cheese, take squeeze, dodge knees. The only way orders maintain through honor. Rule break is still under rules, operate as you build for the weight of these moves undertook. A fall like a cake when the others start to cook. Was it a fad or a move? Just a look. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Lush pushed out past the edge of my dreams. Log on forever, dope fiends, swipe the screens. Light box reflex and froze like a meme. Moon lit me up, the cold is extreme. Devil dancing, death romance, and ice glances. Product placement slowly racing, dipping out the basement with the A1. Till the day's done. First the blaze swung, then the case spun. Young hustler. Um, he says, battles have always fascinated me with their style of music since I first heard them in the early 2000s. A mixture of progressive type math rock and electronic loops played together with real drums. They're down to just a two-piece now with only Ian Williams of Don Caballero fame mm -hmm. and John Stanier of Helmet fame remaining. A highlight off their last album features one of my favorite artists, Ishmael Butler of Shabazz Palaces on the track IZM. So... I could say Shabazz Palaces all day. Yeah, it's a fun word. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's so many, like, video game sounds going on that are incorporated here, especially in, like, the intro um, that we didn't just hear. Like, it has, like, uh, when Mario jumps up and gets a coin. Right, yeah, yeah. that's in there. And just the rhythm of this. And I guess uh, young hustlers do need to chill a smidge and make sure life's not all about the hustle because that will get you in trouble. Mm -hmm. Don't be overly ambitious with your um, hustling whatever that may be mm -hmm. and um you know that really 
suits my style of like minimalism and like trying to get rid of stuff all the time and make sure that what you're purchasing is something you're going to use. Um, I, I don't always work. I, I, I don't always live up to my own aspirations there. But still, the thing is, don't work yourself to death just to get yourself, you know, in trouble. Right. Yeah. Right. So I really appreciate that. And it's just the musical breaks in here just build on the story kind of in this very creative way with like the sounds and the Mm -hmm. tones and everything like that. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. So Battles gets a lot of play on the stereo at my house, especially since they just dropped a new album, uh, which this song comes from. Uh, They're just like so off the wall and next level in their songwriting, which I appreciate because a lot of like mathy rock, you know, ends up kind of homogenous and it maybe like technically proficient and all noodly and mathy, but just doesn't go anywhere interesting with the songwriting. Uh, Battles, on the other hand, doesn't let their sound get homogenous even from song to song. They just incorporate so many different elements into what they do from like jazzy to noodly and heavy to ambient. And as we see in this song, they even delve into hip hop territory when the spirit moves them. Um, I, I kind of want to like highlight that for people who don't know anything about battles. Like this is kind of a, a hip hop, jam yeah but normally they're not a hip-hop band they just happen to have this mc on this song but that music that you're hearing in the background it sounds computer generated but it's all guitars and drums and like really? they do loops and they have you know synthesizers and stuff like that but like this isn't laptop music this is all recreated live and like these guys are so talented to make just crazy crazy music um, uh, you know, they chose to put one of the best MCs on this track as well. Uh, Ishmael Butler from Shabazz Palaces, one from, of the best. From where? I say Shabazz Palaces, <laughs> but Shabazz Palaces. Shabazz. Yeah, they're they're one. Of, he's one of the best lyricists in hip hop, in my opinion, and he shows it well on this track, which seems to be that cautionary tale about you know getting caught up in that C- CD hustling lifestyle where all your friends are fake and the money goes just as fast as it came. You have nothing to show for it in the end. And his lyrics just perfectly complement the spirit and complexity of Battles. And the song just proves that Battles has continued to evolve and can clearly scale any musical mountain they so desire. Oh. Well, I would have definitely thought they were hip-hop bands. Yeah, they're just a band that's all about pushing boundaries. And, like, they started out like a very mathy, noodly band. Lots of weird time signatures, but... They just kept taking it up a notch and seeing what else they could do. And so all their songs are kind of different from one another. And then each album is even more different from one another. Okay. They're just a, a, an amazing, incredibly diverse band. When I think of mathy bands, I don't think about accessible. And this is highly accessible. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you want to tweet at us about your um, Thanksgiving holidays, mm-hmm. even though they're over, and then Christmas is coming up. Yeah, tell us about how you're looking forward to uh, chaos. With your, yeah, exactly. You can find me at Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Woolite, and the show is at Andy Pod. The Facebook group is Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group, and the voicemail line is 731 400 B U D S or 731 400 2837. You can email the show, Pod at gmail.com, and you can always check out the show online, endpod.com, part of the 10710 network. What is our final song? I'm going to leave us with a band called Fresh Young Fellows and their song Sitting on a Pitchfork. Uh, Fresh Young Fellows was a really catchy alternative band, mostly active in the 80s and 90s. They were kind of big in the college rock circles, didn't really get MTV famous. Uh, I only recently heard them myself because they're referenced in a They Might Be Giant song called uh, Twisting. <laughs> and uh, 
So yeah, I had to do my research and find out what they were all about. Uh, they have tons of brilliant, catchy tunes. This was uh, one of the first ones that I heard, and I just haven't been able to get it out of my head for weeks. Uh, so hopefully you dig it as much as I do. Uh, we hope that everyone had a great Thanksgiving, and here's to that panicky, anxious feeling we'll probably still be harboring until Christmas and uh, on into the new year. So enjoy Fresh Young Fellows with Sitting on a Pitchfork. Sun could 